Welcome to Calvary Chapel Sebastian Podcast. We believe that God's Word transforms our lives. We hope that you're blessed by this message. Um, tonight we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. Um, if you need a Bible, please raise your hand and guest services will come around and give you one. And then we'll get started in a minute. Um, I was up here a few minutes ago. I was joking with Danny because I got a drink of water and I was drinking it. And I told him, I said, make sure you're not in the splash zone. So you guys in the front row. And do you guys know what the splash zone is? Right? It's more of a Gallagher reference. You guys know who Gallagher is? There we go. See, have you got, let me, yeah. Because what I have to, I have to, I have to worry about sometimes when I make references because the younger the people are, they don't get my references because I'm, I'm a little bit older. So I say stuff and they're like, they look at me and go, what? You know, at work, I get that all the time. You know, I made a reference to something and they looked at me and go, what was that? And I was just thinking about the, uh, you know, in 1969 when uh, they landed on the moon. And there was a young lady there, and she's like, what was that? Well, she was 25 years old. That's 25 years before she was even born. But a lot of us can remember that, can't we? I mean, do you guys remember that? Remember, I was, I was nine years old. I'll tell you, that's how old I am. I was nine years old, and I was watching on a little black and white TV. It was pretty amazing. It is. So I just, you know, I wanted to kind of make that reference to you just because I'm old. So let you know that. So as we start in um, Matthew 7, the title of this teaching is Balancing Love with Discernment. So before we get started, I just want to pray. Father, we uh, thank you so much for your word. And Father, your word teaches us, guides us, and directs us in our lives. And you give us principles and you give us standards to live by. And Father, may we just let those, those principles and standards in your word sink deep into our hearts so that we can be faithful and obedient to your word. And Father, we need to know your word so we know, need to know when something's going wrong, we can know that there's a correction that needs to be made and you make those corrections for us. So Father, we're here for you tonight. Empty me of me so I can be filled with you. May the words that these people hear, may they be your words. Guide and teach through me, through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. So you're in Matthew 7, verse 1, and Jesus has been addressing some very different subjects in this sermon. And the thing he's been doing is he's talking about how to have an authentic relationship with God and not a religious experience. It's not a religious experience. It's about a relationship with our God. But in the middle of this message, he decides to address a part of our human nature that needs desperate attention. So I want you guys to tell me if you have ever heard or said this statement. Don't judge me. You guys ever heard that before? You ever said it? Never? I've said it. I've heard it many times. And among that those verses that we're going to look at tonight, Jesus is saying, don't be the judge and the jury and at certain points, the executioner. 
And we'll touch on that later in the passage. But there's certain times that we're the judge, we're the jury, and we're the executioner. We're bringing it all down, right? We're doing it all. And among those who seem to know the Bible and know this verse, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, it seems to be a pretty popular verse. Yet most people who quote the verse don't understand what Jesus is saying. They seem to think or hope that Jesus is commanding a universal acceptance of a lifestyle or teaching. It's a phrase that's been used countless times during many conversations or in defensive moments when someone's behavior is being confronted. Don't judge me or you'll be judged. These famous words from Jesus are recited by many, but profoundly misunderstood. One could easily argue that this verse is by far the most frequently misapplied verse in the Bible and used and abused by both Christians and non-Christians alike. Those who mishandle this verse often use it as a shield for sin. It's an opportunity to use it as a shield. Don't judge me. It's a barrier to keep other people at bay, allowing them to justify the way they live, the way they want to be, with no regard for moral boundaries or accountabilities. Their objection sounds something like this. Aren't we all sinners? And we all are, right? We're all sinners. But what gives you the right to make moral judgments about someone else? Isn't that God's job? Typically, what this means is what I found it to mean is, don't talk to me about my questionable behavior. Don't question me about my questionable behavior. So the first point I'd like to make tonight, if you're taking notes, is first that we will all be judged. We're all going to be judged. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says this, For we must all, and all means all, appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. In Ecclesiastes 12.14, it says, For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Sometimes we're simply just making a statement about how unique we are, right? Would you all agree that? Because we're unique, this is the way I live, this is who I am, right? Well, God did create us all uniquely, but he created us in his image. We should celebrate our differences and our diversities, but that's not exactly what Jesus is talking about here. That's not what he's saying. Jesus does not say, don't let others judge you. Jesus is not addressing the response of the accused, but rather the desire to judge others, but not ourselves. It's easier to judge someone else before we judge ourselves. And tonight, we're going to see the difference between judgment and discernment. And Jesus teaches us what it means to live a faithful and committed life 
following Jesus Christ. One who, who follows and preserves holiness out of reverence for God. Jesus gives us this statement on passing judgment to others. But first, I want us to look at what judgment is. So I looked it up. I'm not sure. You probably can find some different references. But what I have is judgment is to decide, to give a verdict, to declare an option, to investigate, or to scrutinize, to discriminate, or to distinguish. So now we've heard what that is. Let's get into the passage. Matthew 7, verse 1. Do not judge others, this is Jesus speaking, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Here Jesus moves to another idea on the Sermon on the Mount. He's been ideally, he's been dealing primarily with spiritual things, Worry, our attitudes, prayer, anxiety. Anybody have anxieties? I do, so just let you know that. But now he touches on this important topic related to the way we think of and treat others. Jesus is proclaiming a high moral standard that is consistent with what it means to live as a citizen of the kingdom of God. In John 2, 1, we're going to see that standard. In, excuse me, John, excuse me, 1 John 4, 19, it says this, We love because He loved us first. We love because He first loved us. That's the standard. And we need to know that. That is the standard. Before, in Matthew, earlier, in 520, he re Jesus is remembering that he was called that we should be more righteous and greater than the scribes and Pharisees, right? And the way some people think, the way to make oneself more righteous is to be more judgmental of others. Have you ever had that? In the scripture, it talks about it, but we look at sin, and I look at my sin, and I say, I'm not as bad as him. So if I'm not as bad as him, I got to be okay, right? That's not it at all. That's not it at all. We have to think differently. We can't be judgmental of others. Jesus is rebuking this kind of thinking. And I can't wonder if, when he was saying this, if, he was looking right at the Pharisees when he was talking about this. Many times through the Gospels, Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees for their blatant hypocrisy. Their impossible man-made laws and standards that they had. They were notorious for condemning other people for their shortcomings when all the while they were the ones who stood condemned because they were doing the very same thing. If you look up on the screen, the first standard of judgment is that we begin with ourselves. Before we judge other people, we need to judge ourselves, to look at ourselves. In 1 Corinthians 11.31, it says this, But if we were more discerning with regards to ourselves, we would not come under such judgments. 
So church, let me ask you, how are you at that? How are you at looking at yourself, your heart, where you're at, before you look at someone else? Jesus warns us about passing judgment upon others because when we do, we'll be judged in a similar way. Jesus said that judgment always reciprocates itself. Or what goes around comes around, right? But it does. The Pharisees liked to play God as they condemned other people, but they never considered that God would be judging them. We're all going to be judged. In Galatians 6, 7, it says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he shall also reap. In other words, the measuring stick that we use to measure the lives of others will be the same measuring stick held up against our lives by God himself. Consider this. It's one thing to be judged by our fellow man. It's a completely different thing to be judged by our God. The hypocrites, the Pharisees, they were in danger of this. But what's fascinating is our nature and our reaction when we're judged, right? Isn't it interesting when we're judged? When you feel judged, what do you do? Well, I can tell you what I do. When I'm being judged, I'm judging you back, okay? I'm coming right back at you with that. That's just who my human nature is. But Jesus isn't saying that. You know, I remember when I was a teenager, and this kind of plays in with that, you know, I got caught cussing, and my language wasn't real good. And my parents, you know, they came to me and they said, hey, what is going on with that language? Well, I learned it from you, right? I'm, I'm bringing it right back at you. But that's human nature, isn't it? Isn't that what we do? We come right back at them. Or how about when a friend... How about when a friend comes up to you and they say, hey, and hopefully they're doing this in a loving manner, but most of the time they're coming up and they're pointing out a couple things you're doing wrong. What's going on in your mind? I'm pointing out the 10 things that you're doing wrong. I'm coming right back at that. That's how we are. That's human nature. When we're judged, we like to judge other people. Up on the screen I have... If you're taking notes, it says we prefer to look at others and look at what's wrong with others more than what's wrong with ourselves. We like to do that. I know I do it. It's a bad habit. I've been getting better at it, but I'm a work in progress. I deal with people all day long. I make judgments really quick. Some of them good, some of them bad. But later in Matthew, verses 15 through 16, Jesus says you can identify them by the fruit and the way that they act. So we can identify them. Jesus tells us to know ourselves and others by the fruit in their lives. So some sort of assessment is necessary for that, correct? Not necessarily judgment, but there is an assessment 
that's necessary. As Christians, we're called to show unconditional love, but as Christians, we're not called to have an unconditional approval of what's going on around us. We can really love people, but we shouldn't approve of everything that they do. So while this does not prohibit examining the lives of others, it certainly prohibits doing it in the way that we often do, which is being unjust. An example of, in my eyes, of unjust treatment was with Martha and Mary. You guys know the story of Martha and Mary. I'll give you a little, little, bit, of a, little bit of it, but Martha and Mary, Jesus came to visit them, and Martha's running around doing all the work, and Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And what did Martha do? She complained. She went to Jesus, and she said, Hey, and Jesus told her, Martha, Martha, you worry about many things, but she has chosen what is better. Unjust judgment. Getting someone at one moment of their life. And I have up on the screen, I have some different things about unjust judgment for us to look at. <clears throat> and so when we think the worst of others, sometimes we don't even know them and we're doing that. When we only speak to others of their faults. We're supposed to encourage people, right? We're supposed to build them up. That's what we do. When we judge an entire life by only its worst moments. And I'm sure Mary had a good life and things were going well. But in this exact moment, Martha was judging her unjustly for that. When we judge the hidden motives of others, we don't know what's in a person's heart. Only God does. When we judge others without considering ourselves in the same circumstances. And last, when we judge others without being mindful that we ourselves will be judged. If you're taking notes, we receive from people exactly what we give them. Exactly what we give other people, we get back from them, and we're going to receive it. Jesus only requires that our judgment be completely fair, and that we only judge others by the standard we would like to be judged by. Jesus isn't lowering the standard. Jesus is not saying... Everyone can do what they want. No, he's not. If that were his intent, I doubt that earlier on in the sermon, he would have been talking about different things and saying, oh, you've heard it's okay to divorce your wife. No, he didn't say that. Or those people that are doing all these prayers, these lengthy prayers so everybody can see that, that's okay. No, it's not. Their motives are wrong. I think what Jesus is saying was simply this. Even to the people who are religious, you still need God. And Jesus clarifies that statement in verse 2 
by talking about the standards, he's saying, be aware of the standards you use for others because you shouldn't use a different standard for yourself. But this is our nature, isn't it? We declare one standard for ourselves and we hold others to a different standard in our lives. And I'll go back to my parents again because they're up in heaven with our Lord. I know they're listening right now, but they used to do some things and this is one of those standards. Do as I say, not as I do. Right? That's, that's, I think we've all probably heard that, right? Jesus says, don't do that. It's not good for you. It's destructive. It lacks mercy and it lacks grace in our lives. And if you're the kind of person that lacks mercy and grace, you will receive no mercy and no grace from others and possibly God. Because he's going to use the same standard, the same stick that you used when you stand in front of him. If you spend all your time judging others, they're going to spend their time judging you as well. Don't focus on somebody else's sins. Focus on your own. Implication here is that we want God to use the standard to judge us with the same standard that we use for other people. And right now, if we use the standard as the world thinks, how do you think that would go for you? How do you think that would go when you got to heaven? Would there be a lack of mercy and grace? You see, Jesus is not saying God is not ultimately going to hold each of us accountable for our actions. He's encouraging each one of us not to take that job from God. But we love it so much, don't we? We love to do it. I shouldn't say we, I'm going to say me. Because I do. And I said, I'm getting better at it. But I do make judgments. Judgments for their sins, not mine. They need to get what's coming to them. Um, a quick story. A couple years ago, um, I just got into school and ministry. And uh, the enemy was attacking us pretty hard. There were some things going on, but... We had our house was broken into. And I remember that time, and the only thing that I can remember about that time was when they catch them, I hope they throw the book at them. I want them to go to jail. I want them to get everything they deserve because look what they've done to me. I want them to get what they deserve. There was no compassion, no mercy, no grace in those statements at all. And Jesus flipped me on my head with that. And Jesus changed the question. He says, Craig, how would you like to be judged? Do you want to get what you deserve? <laughs> and I... <laughs> When I think about what I deserve from God, 
Do I want justice for every mistake that I've made? No, I do not. I do not. Do I want to be punished for every bad decision I've made? I do not. And when it comes to my sin, I don't want what I deserve. I don't want that. When our judgment in regards to others is wrong, it's often not because we judge according to a standard, but it's because we're hypocritical in the application of that standard. We ignore the standard in our own life. It's common to judge others by one standard and ourselves by another, being far more generous to ourselves. Remember, the standard is love. If you're taking notes, please write this down. We need to have compassion. In Matthew 9, 36, it says this. This is Jesus speaking. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And that verse helped me when this time came for these people because they were lost. They were confused. I don't know what was going on in their lives. I'm not trying to make excuses, trying to cover up for somebody breaking into somebody's house. But I don't know what was going on with them. And Jesus, when He came on the scene here, He didn't know either. But He did identify that they were helpless and they were lost. And instead of turning his back and saying, ah, no, he had compassion on them. And we need to have compassion as well. Jesus warns us not to chain ourselves to judgment because we will become a prisoner of a standard that we cannot keep. The application here is very powerful. And it's a motivation for us to be generous with love, forgiveness, and goodness, and to be compassionate to others. If we want more of these things from others and God, we should give more to other people around us. In verse 3, Jesus is talking about, he gives us an illustration of a standard. And in verse 3 it says this, and why do we look at the speck in your brother's eye, but not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look at the plank in your own eye? Hypocrites. First remove the plank from your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The figures of a speck and a plank are real figures, and they're really, they're quite humorous when you think about it. Jesus is talking about a big old plank in somebody's eye. Yet Jesus shows us that generally we're more tolerant of our own sins than we are the sins of others, aren't we? There might be a literal speck in someone's eye where obviously there's a plank or a board in ours. Jesus used this extravagant, humorous picture 
to make his message easier for us to understand and more memorable. Because you could see this, if I'm walking around like this, right? I got this thing on my head and I'm walking around. I can't, I'm going to fall off the stage right now. But I can't see. I was going to bring a bigger one, but is, is this good? We could, is the illustration, it's funny though, right? See, that's what Jesus is saying. It's funny, but it's memorable so that we remember what that is. Basically, to paraphrase, it says, he's saying, you have a speck of sawdust in your eye, and you guys have a two-by-four. Or, if we're looking in modern days, you have a telephone pole in your eye. If you had a telephone pole in your eye, you couldn't see very well, could you? Jesus is saying, some people are so adept at finding faults in the lives of others because they're so familiar with those faults themselves. We recognize them right off. Thank you, Keith. I'll give you the mic next time. <laughs> they can spot certain things in another person's life because they are guilty of the same sin and probably in a greater capacity. Their sin's probably greater than that. We don't judge others because they sin differently than we do. One of the questions I get, because um, I do some counseling, and they say, well, how do you not judge somebody? I say, well, first of all, I don't judge other people because they sin differently than I do. Okay? We're all sinners. We all sin. Just because my sin is different than yours, I'm not going to judge you. But that's not exactly the way the world does it. An example of looking for a speck in another's eye while ignoring the plank in theirs was about the woman who was caught in adultery. Right? This woman's caught in adultery. She had certainly sinned. But Jesus exposes that. And Jesus says, it's interesting because I always like this verse because Jesus says, those of you who are without sin, let them cast the first stone. Because he didn't say those of you who haven't committed adultery, because there possibly could have been some of those there. But he said, those of you without sin. And I imagine this is what we saw. Guys like this, getting ready to throw rocks. Didn't know where they were going to throw them, but they were going to throw them because they were blinded by their own sin. Jesus indicates that the one with the plank in his own eye will not be immediately aware of it. He's blind to his obvious faults. It's an attempt to correct the faults of someone else before we correct the faults of our own. And that earns the word hypocrite. Up on the screen, I have it says, we must remove the plank from our eye to see clearly to help others. If we have sin in our life, if we have a plank blocking our view, we can't help someone else. Even though theirs is a speck, we can't help them because we can't see clearly to do that. 
Notice that Jesus says the hypocrite will be the one with the bigger problem because they refused to see clearly. Spurgeon has a quote that says this, Jesus is gentle, but he calls that a man hypocrite, he calls a man a hypocrite who fusses about small things in others and pays no attention to the great matters at his own home or in his own life. Our hypocrisy in these matters is almost always evident to other people before we see it. It's always more evident for you to see this in my life than what I can see. Because I can't see around it. I can't see anything but that because I'm blinded by that sin. We may find a way to ignore it, but others notice it immediately, don't they? They see it immediately. And a good example of hypocrisy in the Bible was, you know the story about David, King David, right? And Bathsheba and all that. Well, when Nathan came to him in 2 Samuel, Nathan came to him and he told him about the man who stole the lamb and unjustly killed it. What, what, was, what was David doing? I'm, I'm going to get justice for him. I'm going to get justice for him. But he didn't see the own, his own sin in his own life. That's hypocrisy. He couldn't see clearly because he had sin in his own life. David quickly condemned the man but was blind to his own sin, which was much, much greater. Jesus didn't say it was wrong for us to help a brother with a speck in his eye. It's a good thing to help them. But first, remove the plank from your own eye so you can see it. In verse 6, as we move on, Jesus has given us the balance between love and our judgment, the standard that we should use as love and compassion with discernment. Jesus shows us the difference between judgment and discernment. And he says this, Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. In the NLT version, it says this, Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. Don't waste what is holy on unholy people. After we're war he's warning them about judgment and their attitudes and self-blindness and to criticism, Jesus here reminds us that he's saying that we can judge, but don't throw out all discernment. Don't throw out all discernment. Don't suspend it in your life. We must discern what is good and what is not. Some things are precious, and they should not be given those to those who will receive them with contempt. And if you've ever witnessed to someone, you might have experienced that. 
Up on the screen, I have it, if you're taking notes, it says, don't be judgmental, but don't throw out all discernment either. Don't throw out discernment. Jesus says, do not cast your pearls before swine. He says, do not give what is holy or sacred to the dogs. An analogy mentioning dogs is also used in Proverbs. Proverbs 26, 11, it says this, as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. A dual references to a swine and a dog is also found in 2 Peter, and that it's talking about a false teacher. The Proverbs are true. A dog always returns to his vomit, and a pig, although it's washed, will go back and waller in the mud. And when that pig goes back and wallers in the mud, if we go with them and we waller in the mud, how's anybody going to see the difference in us? We're going to be covered in mud just like them, like a pig. I don't know if you've heard this. I have to say it because Chris, I think Chris would like me to say this. We've, I've talked about this. We've, we've been looking at houses with Chris lately and some of the houses we looked at and it's like, you can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig, okay? You can throw your pearls to a swine, but it's still a pig. Don't waste what is good and holy on that. Jesus uses dogs and pigs as a representation of those who would ridicule, reject, and blaspheme the gospel once it's presented to them. We are not to expose the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who have no other purpose than to trample it and return to their evil ways. Repeatedly sharing the gospel with someone who continually scoffs and ridicules Christ is like casting pearls before a swine. We can identify such people through discernment, though. And that's what Jesus is saying. Have discernment here, which we all are given discernment in some measure. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 15, it says, The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. The command not to cast your pearls before swine does not mean we refrain from preaching the gospel. We're always called to preach the gospel. Jesus himself ate with sinners and tax collectors. In essence, our instructions are the same instructions that Jesus gave to the disciples. He said, if anyone will not welcome or listen to your words, shake the dust off your sandals and move on. Leave that town or that home. We are to share the gospel, but when it becomes apparently apparent that the gospel is not welcome, we are to move on. We are responsible to share the good news. We're not responsible for the people's response to the good news. So many times, and this is about my kids, um, I've had people ask me because my kids, um, two of them are not believers, and um, they said, how do, how do you do that? And what I did before, at first, I was a Bible thumper. 
How many of you guys are Bible thumpers? I was thumping them over the head. I'm coming at you. Here you go. Here you go. I'm going to beat the word into you, right? I'm going to cram it down your throat. And the Holy Spirit said, Craig, if you get out of my way, I will do that. That's my role. The Holy Spirit's role is to convict people. Our role is to tell them the good news. Our role is to tell them what Jesus has done for us. The Holy Spirit's role is to convict them. Not ours. That's not our responsibility. And if someone doesn't want to receive the gospel, we've told them, but it's time for us to move on. Pigs don't appreciate pearls, and some people don't appreciate what Christ has done for them. Amen? Our job is not to force that conversation. Jesus instructed his apostles and us how to handle rejection was to simply go somewhere else. Go somewhere else. There are people who need to hear the gospel and they're ready to hear the gospel. And that's who we look at. The people who are ready to hear the gospel. Our pearls of the precious gospel may only confuse those who do not believe, who are blinded by the truth of the God of this age and may only expose the gospel to ridicule. The gospel is to be preached to everywhere, every creature in Mark 6, 16, 15, it says that. But when the Jews were hardened, their hearts, they spoke evil to the multitudes, the apostles left preaching them. They just moved on. They left. And of course, Jesus didn't say, say this to discourage us from sharing the gospel. Previously in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, let your light shine into the world. Right? We're supposed to be that bright, shining light in the world. So don't get in the mud with the pigs and let your light be dimmed. When we find open hearts, we can trust that God has already been working on them. And he's already gone before us. In conclusion, as we wrap this up, the application that we're looking at tonight is very simple. Don't be judgmental. But don't throw out discernment as well. And when we judge, have the standard that God judges us. He looks at us with love and mercy and grace and compassion. And that's how we should judge as well. If we're to be more like Christ, we have to act more like him. And Jesus had compassion on the lost and the confused. And we have lost and confused people all around us all day long. And we need to have that compassion for them. Jesus said, said this to have us use discernment and to encourage us to look for the open doors that God provides to share the gospel of His Son. To tell people what Jesus has done for us and what He 
can do for them. And remember, the standard that we use is the standard that will come back to us. So let's love more, be compassionate, and use discernment when we do these things. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Sebastian podcast channel. If this message impacted your life, we encourage you to share it with a friend. We're located at 1251 Sebastian Boulevard, just northeast of Intersection 90th Avenue and State Road 512 in Sebastian, Florida. Our service times are Saturday evening at 6 p.m., Sunday morning at 1045 a.m., and Wednesdays at 630 p.m.